Come on, let's clap to the being God's house, isn't it? Hey, uh, turn to your neighbor, tell him you're glad to be sitting next to him. Go ahead. Just say, hey, I'm glad to be sitting next to you today. Um, even if you're not, make a friend. It's good. Hey, um, if you're here for the first time today, welcome. We're just glad that you're with us today. And uh, some of you, it's awkward to be clapped for. Um, I just thought about that. You know, in this house, um, we love to just, well, show appreciation and, uh, and, and honor people when they come to church. And, and it might be strange. And I never thought of it this way, but I don't know many places that you go to the first time that you get welcomed by everyone clapping and applauding you. And though it may feel awkward, I just want you to know um, that we appreciate you. We're grateful for you. Um, and we're glad that you're here today. Uh, I know that that might sound strange because it might be an uncomfortable or awkward environment, or maybe it's just a different environment from what you're used to. But I just want you to know before we begin that God sees you where you are. He sees you right where you are today, and uh, for everyone who's here, God sees you where you are, and um, someone needs to hear that. I think we often all need to hear that and remind ourselves that God sees me. Um, sometimes when you go through life and you feel unseen by God, it's, it's hard to continue on. You need to be reminded He has not misplaced you. Um, he sees you where you are, and I pray today that, that what we share through the Word of God will help you. Um, find a, a peace that you've been longing for. Uh, will you pray with me today before we begin? Uh, Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And I just pray right now that, that as we open the Word of God, that people would be set free, that people would be healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. Father, I pray today that through the teaching and preaching of your Word, that that eyes would be open to the realization of, of truth and that we would surrender aspects of our life that we've been trying to keep control of. And, and I pray that we would walk in a deep, resounding peace that comes from you alone. Father, I'm grateful for the time we have today to share with one another. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Come on, say that one more time. Say amen. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to share with you today this, this message. I have to be honest with you. I don't know what happened. Anyone get really bad headaches? Uh, just really bad headaches? There's two people. Thank you for saying that. So I was like, I do. Um, and at the end of the second or the first service, I started to get a headache. And then I realized it was like the lights were making it worse. And uh, so I kept trying to look away from the lights, but it's problematic when you're trying to talk to people because you can't see them. So um, if you see me squinting, it's not because I don't want to look at you. It's just because the lights um, are a little bit bothering me. They're bothering me a little bit today. But um, I want to talk to you in this conversation we've been having about not done yet, that God is not done yet with us. And um, we've been talking through the last several weeks uh, through this topic, and I pray it's helped you. I pray it's illuminated some of the nature of who God is to you and allowed you to better understand that, that God doesn't just work in us in some seasons and then forget us in other seasons, that He's always and continually doing something in us um, so that He can do something through us to help other people. Listen, we're always as a church going to be committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, committed to helping people become connected to the house of God, um, helping people find Jesus and discipling them. It's going to be a declaration from this house, and, and we're committed to that, and we're committed to giving thanks to God and walking in gratitude. And one of the things that I wanted to unpack today is 
this topic of peace. But more than a topic, I want us to understand that, that God so desperately desires us to walk in peace. To walk in peace. And I, for, for a long time, I, I, I recognized something that many of us are victims. We're victims of a robbery. We've been robbed on a daily basis. Maybe some of you have, have walked with worry and anxiety and stress your entire life. Maybe, maybe seasons of peace are seldom. Maybe for many of you, you always walk through anxiety and stress and worry. And the moment you get out of that mentality, you're immediately thinking, well, this is nice, but stress and worry is right around the corner. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was always worried and stressed all the time, the moment I'd start to walk in peace, I, it didn't last long because I kept saying, something's about to go wrong. Something's going to happen. I'm just waiting. Something's going to happen. And it was if the enemy's plot and plan was to constantly rob from me the promises of God. And it's not as if that is his intention to rob from you, to steal from you, and to destroy every blessing, good, and perfect gift that comes from above. As we open the Word of God, we see that God sends to earth his Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that it is he is Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace. I, I um, you know, I, many of you know that I have three children, and they're passionate children. Um, they they're passionate um, when they're excited, and they're very passionate when they're when they're sad. And and my my middle child, Avi, she's sweet, and uh, when she um, is hungry or tired, she goes into a mode that's it, it can't be parented. You know, you know those modes that you like. You're like, listen, I got this tactic. When she goes crazy, there is no tactic to control her when she's really hungry. And the moment it happens, the only thing that there's one of two things. When she goes into that mode, it's either she needs to pass out, cry her way to the moment of passing out because she's tired, or you need to get food in front of her as soon as possible. But the only problematic time is when she gets strapped into our car seat and you're on a long journey. Because she can't really sleep that well in the car seat. And she, if you don't have food in the car, it's basically just screams. Now, do you, do you know just some tolerable screams? They're like, kind of like, they're like, oh, that's all right. I can tolerate this. And then there's the other screams that makes you want to scream. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like that scream that kind of gives you those weird goosebumps over your body. And you start like doing this to the steering wheel. And you're like, if this lasts one more minute, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, she does that sometimes. And I remember in those moments, it was yesterday, actually, we were driving somewhere. And um, <laughs> I got to be careful. Anytime I'm preaching about a topic, I'm just waiting for God. I was, the, I was preaching. Do you remember when I was preaching on pride? And uh, I had that altercation. Um, yeah, well, so anytime I'm teaching on a topic, I always get a little nervous because I always feel like God needs me to, to have a real life story to share with you. And so, um, uh, so we were driving and I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I can't drive. I'm going to lose my mind. And, and I think for some of us, uh, I'm getting somewhere actually. And um, for some of us, peace is connected to the absence of chaos, and, and um, in the Eisenhart family, there's a lot of uh, people, and sometimes in big crowds, there's always noise, and people are talking, and the chaos can make you feel overwhelmed and anxious, um, and it can make you feel stressed out. And when people start screaming and, and yelling, uh, it makes you want to withdraw and just get away. I need to be alone. And the absence of the screaming you see as peace. I need peace and quiet. 
I've often heard people say when we as a nation have been in war that, well, I wish we would make peace and not war. So the understanding of peace in the first dynamic would be the absence of screaming and yelling. I just need peace of mind. The other one, would, let's, let's, we should have peace and not war, would be the absence of fighting and conflict. Some people would say that I need inner peace. And in order for me to get that, I need to withdraw from everyone and just be alone by myself. And so it's the absence of people. You'll hear people at funerals saying, rest in peace, as if to say the absence of human frailty or weakness gives us peace. I need you to know something, that, that those who confess and profess and declare that Jesus is Lord and those who have surrendered their life, their life to Jesus Christ, we, we don't see peace as the absence or the leftovers when everything bad is taken away. We don't see peace as something we strive for or we fight to obtain. We see peace as someone. It is the fullness and representation of Jesus Christ. That is peace. He is peace. And so for us, it's not absence of some things. It is the presence of someone. It's the presence of someone. And it's interesting for us because we know that in the nature of trying to, like, listen, let's use the analogy of my daughter. When she's going crazy, I want to get away. I want to just, I want to hide. I, and I'm typically not like that. I'm like, I need to hide somewhere. Like, it is, I need to get away. There's too much chaos around me, and I need peace. The truth is, it is a, a, a momentary peace that will not last over time. That's not the peace we read about in Scripture. The peace we read about in Scripture is not something that happens from the external, but something that is birthed on the inside of us. And it's from the inside that we can stand in the midst of chaos and have peace and have a smile. And people are like, I don't understand what's going on. It's, it's like, how, how do you do it? And often the scripture says in, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, this peace that transcends all understanding. How does it transcend all understanding? Because it doesn't make sense to us in our mind. We say, how do you do well, it? We get things like, well, something, you must be missing some stuff up here. You, know? you should be worried. You should be anxious. Why? Why? I want us to be able to walk in peace. I believe the enemy desires to rob us of walking in peace in a few ways. He convinces us that separating ourselves from chaos will give us lasting peace. I've watched this in church. I've watched it in family. Have you ever been in a conflict at home? And usually the response of some people are they're just to run. Whether it's your children, you're trying to correct them, and you say, hey, get over here, and usually it's a sprint up to the room. I'm not talking to you, and the door slams behind. Maybe you're in an argument with your spouse or something, and one of you, your response is to just walk away, because I just want to get away from the conflict. I want to get away from the arguing. I want to get away from the mess. I want to get away from the brokenness, and we seem to have convinced ourselves internally that if I run far enough, fast enough, away from stuff, I'll find peace. It's a lie. Doesn't happen. I've watched it. I've watched it in church. I've watched it in family. I've watched people convince themselves that I, that person did me wrong. I will not forgive them. I will not talk to them. I will not engage with them. I will not be around them. I will not show up where they are. I'm, I'm done with them. 
And let me tell you something. That person will, they've yielded their peace. They'll never walk in it. They, th- they seem to think that me, that me exiting from chaos will give me peace. It is never in an exit that I walk in peace. It's only when Jesus enters I'll walk in it. When Jesus enters into your life, he will call you out of things which will lead you to peace, but it's never you running from chaos that will bring you peace. I've watched it in church. People come in and there's moments of correction. There's moments of teaching. And people say, you know what? I don't have time for that. I, I, I don't like this. I'm done with it. You know, I'm, I'm, see, that's why I don't even want to be around. I'm out of here. And can I tell you something? Offense and pride and arrogance is one of the number one things that the enemy uses to keep you isolated and apart from the body of Christ. Because if he can keep you offended, he'll keep you separated. And if he can keep you separated, he'll keep you walking in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in anger, in rage. And you'll never walk and abide in the peace that comes from Christ. He calls us together. And he calls us together because it's in that dynamic that we are refined. And we are redeemed and restored. And it's in that very process that we learn how to have a greater sense of trust in God, a greater sense of trust in His finished work. I'm, it's no shock if you know me, I have a little bit of um, OCD uh, type things and uh, I always have to have certain things in the right place and my behaviors tend to be, well, that needs to be perfect and that needs to be perfect and I need to get that right and I need to get that right and that has to be in order in all aspects of my life, whether it's um, academics, whether it's leadership, whether it's being a father, whether it's be the, being a husband, whether it's my health, whether it's my diet, my exercise, whether it's my time with God, whatever it may be, I, I tend to always go to extremes and say, well, this has to be right, this has to be right, this has to be right. And sometimes my pursuit of having everything, hear me now, right, causes me to be anxious and stressed out all the time. Well, that's not right. That needs to be better. Well, that's not right. That needs to be better. Well, that's not right. And hear me now, it's not as if the pursuit of doing things right is wrong. It's not as if trying to be, to be a good steward is wrong, but it's when you try to be in control of everything in order to acquire peace, that is when it becomes problematic. See, because many of us have convinced ourselves that if this is right and that's right and this is right and that's right and, and my house is fixed and this is fixed, my finances are right, when all of that is right, then I'm like, whoo, God, it took me 20 years, but now I feel peace. No, it's, this is a, it's a lie. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's, it's almost we have to reverse engineer the way that we think into saying that, that all of the stuff around me that I'm striving to have perfect, what if it all fell apart? What if the house was a mess? My marriage was a mess. My kids were a mess. My health was a What if everything was a mess, but I had Jesus? And I had Jesus, and that's all that I needed. And I got up every day and I just said, God, I'm so grateful that you sent your son to die on the cross so that I could walk in peace. See, I think when we, when we, when we take our minds and we wrap it around what God did for us on the cross of Calvary, when we wrap our minds around the sense of what Jesus desires to bring into our life, then all of a sudden we can operate out of that peace and become good stewards in the aspects of what he's called us to steward. 
which is our health and our finances and our family and our vocation. But it's when we, we forget Jesus in the process of our pursuit of all of those things, we try to throw Jesus' promise into our pursuit of perfection. It just never works. It's like, yeah, 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 I know. I'm trying to get this business going, but focus on the business, focus on this, focus on this. And yeah, you're right. I need to get Jesus in it. No, no. You don't need to add Jesus into stuff. He needs to be the obsession and the focus of your life, not an, not an add-on to it. Listen, you, we don't walk in the, in the promises of God by just adding a portion of Jesus into our week. Just throw Jesus into the messiness of my week, and Jesus is going to make it perfect. That's not how it works. And I just don't want us to be delusional into thinking that I'm just going to do whatever I want throughout the week. I'm going to pursue all my desires. And when I get stressed and worried, I'm going to say a prayer and that God's just going to magically fix it. That's not how this works. It's just not how it works. It is this continual, perpetual, daily surrendering of myself and my own desires to say, God, I understand that I have been called that I have an assignment, that I am chosen and a highly favored, that I'm an ambassador of God, I'm a child of heaven, and I will operate in this understanding that you give me peace. It comes from within me. I, I, find, this, I find this fascinating, that, that when Jesus was here on our earth walking this planet with his disciples, You'll see it in the scripture, you'll see it in the text that he often, it says Jesus isolated himself. Do you remember that in scripture? It happens frequently. Jesus would be amongst the people all the time, and then all of a sudden it was as if Jesus kind of was an expert of like, you know, um, backing away, and he just disappeared. Like, where's Jesus? And scriptures would always record that he was alone with God. Yeah. Alone with the Father. It wasn't as if he was trying to run away from chaos it was an inclination of where he, his source of peace derived from. Yeah. Where does it come from? And he finds himself, keep going to this place for peace and then come back and I can walk in it. And for many of us, um, it's as if some of us need to set a reminder on our phone every 35 minutes. You are highly favored and chosen by God. The peace of God will rule in your life constantly. Constantly, constantly. Why? Because the enemy wants you to forget. He wants you to forget that you have a promise to walk in peace. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful and be thankful. I love this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do you know what that means? Let it have control. Let it take control. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it says, uh, Paul says, let it rule. As if you have permission not to allow it to rule. And I've noticed in my own journey with God that I, I have the ability to let his peace rule or to let my pride rule or my unforgiveness, or my bitterness to rule. Have you ever gotten in an argument and you know that you should say, I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness, but you're just like, forget it. Screw you, I don't need you, you know what I mean? And then you're walking away and you're just like, man, you're angry all day, you're frustrated all day, and it takes you 48 hours to come around and you say, you know what, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. 
forgive me. And the moment you operate in obedience, you just have this sense of peace again. But all in the interim between you thinking you could do it without operating in obedience, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're mad, you're worried. You're like, I can't believe they did that to me. How, why, why would they say that? Why would they do that? All these things. It's almost as if, as if Paul is saying in, in, this, in this passage that, that God gives you permission to follow. He gives you permission to set one thing that will rule and take control of your life. And he says, let, listen now, let peace rule. Some of us, some of us have a problem with that because we, 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 we like, not that we like conflict, but we often like to confront things that are wrong that would logically make or spiritually make sense if your confrontation actually brought peace. But it doesn't. Because I don't need your confrontation of things that are wrong for me to walk in peace. Because peace does not come from things that, have you, that you've done. Peace comes from the finished work of what he's done. And so I can know what he has done for me and I can walk in obedience and walk in peace. For many of us, we allow other people to rob us of peace. Yes, yes. It would be equivalent to allowing someone who you do not know walk into your house and walk up to your thermostat and say, I'm really cold in here, and just start pushing the buttons up. <laughs> and you just standing there watching them and then letting them walk out of your house and then being afraid to touch the thermostat. Well, it's 78. I can't afford that bill right now. Yeah. <laughs> I keep it at 65, you know what I mean? We let people do that to our emotions all the time. And they have no right. And they have no permission unless you allow them. And for many of us, we allow all these people to come into our world, say things about us, towards us, and we walk with discontentment, and it robs us of our peace. And the one that can usher in peace to your soul is Christ. The only way that the Holy Spirit will allow you to walk in peace is if you spend time alone with God. You spend time alone in prayer. It's in those moments that you recognize He is the source that I draw from. He is the source that allows me to walk in confidence. He alone is the one. You know, it says in Scripture, in John 16, 33, He says, in this world you're going to have trouble. I, I love that. Christian, we, listen to me. We need to remind ourselves. Christ never promised us a perfect walk, a perfect journey, that everything is going to be easy, everything is going to be simple. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. People are going to say things about you. People are going to make up stories about you. They're going to lie to other people about you. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things you wish you'd never have done. You're going to say things you wish you'd never said. You're going to get caught into things you wish you never got caught in before. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all the trouble and all the chaos, the word of God to you is, from the mouth of Jesus, is take heart. And for many of us, we struggle with that. We're like, no, 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 no. That's for someone else to take heart. It's okay. The people that haven't screwed up. No, that's to all humanity. He says, take heart. Why? Not because what you've done is so good. He says, for I, for I have overcome the world. Well, how can I take heart in that? Well, because if you think that everything that you've done earned your salvation and all your works kind of appease God to a point to see you and say, oh, you're so good. <laughs> no, God says, listen, I've defeated sin and death. And it's in that victory that you can abide and be encouraged in. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, 
it says this, and I love this perspective of this. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace. And I love it. It's as if he's trying to con- contrast this artificial peace that comes from ways that we try to manufacture it. Saying, oh, if I only had that, I'd have peace. If I only had that, I'd have peace. If I only had that. And he says, no, nah, that's artificial. That is man-made. That is superficial. It's only going to last but a season. But he says, perfect peace. Perfect peace will keep you. All who trust in you. All whose thoughts, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Fixed on you. Like, I'm a bit embarrassed to say it, but when I'm watching a football game, like, I go into this mode sometimes where it's like, I, I, and I, it's embarrassing. I literally sometimes need to be smacked to get out of it. But I'm like, my kids will be dragging me. My one kid is smacking me in the face. I hear Eliza yelling, answer your kids. And I'm just like this. I, I can't, I, I'm just, my eyes are fixed. I, I can't seem to get them off. For many of us, this, we, need to, we need to find out what have you fixed your eyes on? What are your eyes fixed on? What are you constantly staring at? Some of you are constantly staring at this perspective of who you are, this persona of who you are. You are so obsessed with everyone seeing you in your perfection. Can I, can I just tell you something? Everyone already knows you're not perfect. Everyone already knows you have issues of insecurity. Everyone already knows that you have issues of pride. Everyone already knows that you have issues of unforgiveness. and Listen, we, we, we need to stop pretending like we all got it together. Like everything is great. Trying to put on this, this, this picture-perfect presentation of who we are. Listen, you'll really walk in freedom when you know that God loves you just the way you are. He receives you just the way you are. And he receives you that way. And when you walk in the confidence of knowing that you've been forgiven, that you are a recipient of grace, that you walk and you have, you have promises that are yours, then God begins to change you. And you come as you are, but you don't leave the same. God enables you to change and to walk and to reflect Jesus in a profound and significant way. Listen, there's, the life lived of trying to put on a persona is a, man, it's a sad life to live. It really is. Recently, our family got together, our immediate family, we got a picture, and it was a fun, it was a fun time, and I was really frustrated that day. I forget what I was frustrated about, but the enemy got me and robbed me of my peace, and I was, you ever, I get frustrated when that happens. The next day, I wake up, and I'm like, really? I feel like the devil, he got like a point on me. I'm like, you know what? Ain't happening again. Ain't gonna let you take my joy today. Ain't gonna let you take my peace today. But he got it that time for a few hours. And I remember sitting there and it was like, have you ever been in an environment where you see the finished product of our, 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 the picture, the family picture? We have a picture I wanted to show you. And um, it's the whole family's there and we're all getting our, our picture taken. And it looks great, doesn't it? I mean, well, for the most part. And, um, and, and we're all there. You don't know what has had transpired prior to that. You know what I mean? You, you, you weren't there watching all of the 25 or however many grandkids there are now running around, you know, pooping their pants, tripping, ripping their clothes, yelling, screaming. You don't know that half the heads are cropped in that photo because kids were crying and, you know, doing inappropriate gestures with their hands. Like, you don't know that. But when you saw the pictures, like, wow, what a perfect family other than a few. But what a perfect, what a perfect family. Now, I, trust me. Behind the scenes of what we put on, there's real issues we walk with. I'm aware of it. 
Some of you are going through some tough seasons right now. I need to to remind you. You need to hear this. It's just a season. It's just a season. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. I'm telling you, the last thing you'll want to do when you're dealing with stress and anxiety and depression is to turn on worship music. The last thing you'll want to do is show up in church. The last thing you'll want to do is to be in a crew around people. The last thing you'll want to do is to open up about how you're feeling. But can I tell you something? It's in those moments of you saying, no, I know that I know that I know that I have been promised peace. And I know that God will begin to to enable me to walk in that peace. Listen, you'll never walk in the peace of God if you try to maintain control. If you try to control every aspect of your life, you'll never walk in the peace that comes from Him. It comes at a point of surrender. I'm saying, God, I surrender this to you. I really do. Whatever the outcome, whatever it looks like, whatever it'll be, I surrender it to you. (laughs) Remember in Acts, I forget what chapter it is. Maybe 16, 15, I'm not sure. Paul and Silas. Do you remember? Do you remember that passage? They get thrown in prison. I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with this passage, but they get thrown in prison. And um, some of you need to do this. You really do. I'm telling you, I think it'll, it'll break things off generationally in your family. But when, when, when the enemy attacks you, your response to the attack lets him know your awareness of the promises of God. It really does. When the enemy attacks you, your response is an indicator to him of your awareness of the promises of God over your life. What's your response? How do you respond? Some of you dig in and you say, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this right. Can I suggest another way? It's in that moment where Paul and Silas are imprisoned. And I don't know what their facial expression was when they were surrounded and thrown into prison. But you have to have kind of a smiley gesture when you're getting arrested and thrown into prison. And the moment you get into prison in the middle of the night, you're just like, hey, let's sing. Let's have a worship service. And they just start worshiping God. You're thinking like, what? I guarantee you people around them were like, yo, some, something's not right. They're missing something. It's just they're in prison. They're having a worship service. Yeah, something's not right. But you know what they knew? They fully trusted in God and everything. They just said, God, I trust you in this. I'm done trying to manipulate control. I'm done trying to figure this out. I'm done trying to say, oh, I know this and God's going to give me, God, I don't know what the season before me looks like, but I trust in you in all my ways. And because of that, your response will be one. It'll be in such a way to say, God, I know your promises for me. Therefore, I will trust in you I love this Philippians 4, 7. Some of you need to remember this passage. The peace of God will transcend all of your understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I have one more passage I want to read to you before we, before we close today. I cut the grass with my son. Um, and it's kind of like a bit surreal. I, I remember doing that with my father and it didn't last too long. I think I was like six. He's like, go ahead, son. You can do it by yourself. And uh, there was enough field where I couldn't really kill myself for other people. So he just let me go. And, but I sit on the, on the mower with my son. And, and um, he sits on my lap. And it's, one, it's not one with a steering wheel. It's called a zero turn. And so there's these bars that operate it. And you push them forward to go forward, pull them back to go backwards. And you go like this to turn. And, and so he sits on my lap. And he's always like, Dad, let's cut the grass. And he's there. Um, and this just came to me. I think someone, um, I think this may help someone. And he always wants to 
to cut the grass with me. And it's interesting because he sits on my lap and he holds up here. And anytime I try to put my hands next to him, he says, no, dad, I got it. Apparently it's an inherited trait. And he says, no, dad, I got it. No, dad, I got it. And so I take my hands and I move them all the way down by the bottom so he doesn't know I'm holding on and I'm in control. And so we're cutting the grass the whole time and every once in a while he turns around, looks at me, like it's to look like, dad, I told you I could do this. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dad. And so like, you know, I'm cutting. I'm like, buddy, you are doing good. You're doing good. So then he starts getting really like confident. He really starts going. And I'm trying to like fight it down at the bottom. And like we're trying to just go straight. And he's just start trying to go like one of these things. Like he's a Power Ranger or something. I don't know. But he's, he's going crazy. And I'm trying to fight it. And, and so finally sometimes I just, I just let go of it. And he'll just start like just we'll start spinning in a circle. And then he'll turn around at me and go, Dad, what are you doing? Like I'm the one that messed up. You know what I mean? I was thinking about that this morning when I was praying. I, 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 I was laughing. I, I said, I feel like that's me with God sometimes. I, I feel like I want to control everything. And God's kind enough and loving enough to encourage me, even when I'm trying to take control of everything that he's already in control of. <laughs> And sometimes things need to happen. I'm not saying to you that God, and metaphorically, this is not a theological explanation or metaphor of the nature of God. I'm simply suggesting that sometimes we get ourselves into positions to think that we're controlling everything, and we're really not. We need to recognize that He is in control. Some of you say that, but you don't act like it. Some of you say, oh, I know, I know, I know. But you, you worry and stress about everything. Listen, if we abide in Christ, we have no business worrying. We have no business being filled with stress. We have no business walking in fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts it out. You know what that means? It says this. It says, God, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I don't know what my finances, my health, my family, my job. I don't know. But this is what I do know. God, that you've overcome the world, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're my savior. And it is in that knowledge and awareness of who you are that I walk in peace today. I love this passage in John 14, 27. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says this. He says, peace I leave with you. I'm leaving this with you. Hear me now. Listen to what he says. He says, my peace I give to you. Not some other peace, not random peace, not a portion of my peace. Jesus says, I give you my peace. Not as the world gives you, do I give to you. And let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. This peace that Jesus gives he died so it could be our peace. He went to the cross and shed his blood so that we could walk in the peace that he gives. It wasn't purchased cheaply. It wasn't something that was flippant in his response. He went to the cross so that he could give us his peace. We find that he says, I must go so that I can leave the Holy Spirit with you. It is the Holy Spirit that abides within us, this peace of God, the same power that raised Christ from the grave, lives in us. Let us not forget it. Let us constantly walk in the awareness of knowing, no, the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in me. I am more than a conqueror. I will trust in God. I will let 
peace rule in the areas of my life. Can you say amen today? Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you and I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you, find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.